if you can stand with me, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray for a few things. We're going to pray for the body of Christ around the world and in our city. That the Jesus that is in this room would be in those rooms. That the Jesus that confronts people so lovingly with kindness and compassion that they drop everything to follow him. And so, Father, we lift up the church around the world, the church in Smyrna. God, my friends at Square Church, my friends at the Baptist Church, my friends at the Methodist Church, my friends at the Vinings Church, at Vinings Lake Church, our friends at Cumberland Community Church, our friends all over this city that right now in every one of those gatherings, Jesus, you would be the center, that everything would be about you, that there wouldn't be a person more important than you, that there wouldn't be a gift more important than you, but that every church would be looking upon Jesus, who is the well whom which we draw the water of eternal life from, even now. Just call out a church or a, a body or something in the world within the Christian community that needs Jesus right now. Methodist church all over the uh, world. Yeah. God, I pray for the church that I was raised in, Mount Perrin Central right now in Atlanta, to just for people to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are the beloved children of God. And now, Father, we just want to worship that truly is formative where we go after you should form us in such a way that we are sent full, sent full like a woman carrying jars to a community full of water and saying here, like the woman at the well who left the water and was full without even realizing she didn't drink it, that we would be sent into our communities. But first we pray for our community. So Jesus in Smyrna and the surrounding areas, there are needs beyond needs that are crying out to us under the surface, groaning, asking for us to pay attention. We ask you, Jesus, to bring racial reconciliation in our city. If there's a need within our current area that you would like to speak out, please do it now. We pray against the God of self-sufficiency that's permeating our world and our Western culture, God, that we would be thrown back into community upon one another depending on you, God. There doesn't need to be a superstar or an idol anywhere. There just needs to be Jesus. Help us to look at one another and say, I need you, I cannot do it alone. Help our city to begin to realize that, God. Help us to speak into people's lives who have been striving and striving and striving and striving and building and building, and it's all falling apart. Help them to throw that at your feet. Help us to be people that help it happen by love and grace and compassion. If there's a need in this room right now, let's speak it out together. Who is sick in body right now? Who is sick in body right now in this room? Raise your hand. We're not, I'm not gonna make people come to you, but we wanna know that. We wanna lift that up for you. Who is sick in body right now? 
Look around at your brothers and sisters. Raise your hand high. These people are asking God to come and help them. We will go with you. We need to go with you. Jesus, every person who has their hand raised, permeate their whole being. Help us to carry that with them. Help us to not have a culture of shame about what's not right. Help us to be a culture of transparency and honesty that when we have sickness, we can speak it out to the body of Christ. Thank you for letting us have people who are sick that we can carry to you on mats if we must. Any other needs before we transition? All right, so I'm gonna jump in. We don't have much time. I'm gonna share a little bit today on, we've been in Lent and we've been talking about hunger and desert places. Last week we were downstairs. We talked about when Jesus was led after baptism, receiving his identity, being told before he did anything, you're my son who I'm pleased with, then being sent and led by the Spirit into the desert where he would be tested by Satan through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Theologically, we could, we could just go off there. And he stays there for 40 days. He's offered three things by our enemy. Make this rock turn into bread, which makes a lot of sense because he had to be hungry. We know that he did not. And we know that because of that, he was able to wait. He was sustained by the Spirit's power. And then something happens that thrusts him into ministry. And he, that's when he starts. Just going after it. So we've been talking about spaces that, spaces of lack creating, or not creating, allowing us to see our hungers. So when we don't have what has been filling us, we notice our appetites. And two quick stories. When I was 17, I was, and I've told you guys this before, I was sent to a rehabilitation camp in Utah. And I was there because of some of the addictions that I was surfacing and I had to struggle through. And when I arrived, there was two different things that happened that surfaced appetites for me. One of them was there were seasons in this where you weren't allowed to actually eat food for a long period of time. And you're in the desert, you're, you're hungry, of course, you're thirsty, you're drinking your water from streams. And there was one time when the leaders of the camp, who were all super ninja studs in the desert, left the food out. And me and another guy, who I can't even remember where he was from, maybe Philadelphia, um, we noticed, like, they left the food out. What kind of morons? We, they haven't been feeding us, but they left the food out. So I, we both go over, and in our hunger, would have eaten anything. So I first eat bouillon. Who, know, who knows what bouillon is? Because <laughs> it's packed with flavor. It was, like, it was like my mouth was exploding. But if you've ever eaten bouillon on an empty stomach, it was the sickest I have ever been in my life. And I couldn't even talk about it because I had just stolen it. <laughs> so lesson being, when you're at rehab, one, don't eat the bouillon. Amen? <laughs> Bless you. So second thing was, to the way they started this trip was they wake you up in the middle of the night and they walk you through the desert. You go two days straight without eating and you hike the entire time. You sleep a little bit and you, you don't eat anything. And so they're trying to cleanse some of the things that are in our systems and on the... Th the beginning of the third day, a guy shows up with an apple, a stinking apple, was the best food I have ever eaten in my entire life. It was like a thousand Snicker bars. It was the most satisfying meal I had ever had in my life, an apple. 
and it was sustaining. And I was full. When your stomach shrinks, you get, I guess you guys already know the art of eating. Who in here eats? <laughs> okay, good. We're, we're all on the same page. So I want to ask you today really quickly, and I'm not going to spend long, do you even know your appetites? Do you know what it is that you consume and why it is that you consume it? Have you been in spaces like Lent where we say, I'll step away from some things, not just so that you can be in lack and be like, look at me, I am doing this for Jesus. That's not at all important that that would happen. The idea of Lent is that you separate from things to create a space to feast on things. The feasting is the feasting on Christ or the presence of the Spirit, which is what we see in the desert with Jesus, who the Spirit is with to start with, and then at the end is empowering for ministry. We separate from things to notice our appetites so that we can begin to then feast on things that are actually sustainable. It's the difference, and the reality is most of us are eating bouillon and not eating apples. And it's got to be the hardest time in history to be a Christian where we don't know anymore the clarity of what a false appetite is. When I was preparing for this message, I was at Comcast, which is a great building to study in at, at the Battery. And I'm sitting here talking about, I'm thinking about what are our false appetites. And I'm trying to relate it to myself because I know I have a, a bounty of them. And a, a group of guys walk over and one of them says, so how was the strip club last night? And I was like, that would be like for us, that would be the obvious enemy, right? Like the strip club. That would be easy if that was, if, if it was that easy to just say, that's, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not living in that kind of sin or I'm not drinking 11 beers before church or I'm not harming people verbally, but the appetites that are destroying us are ones that we actually think are good. We actually think they're good and sustainable. We think the bouillon is helping us. It's not. But are we able to step away from it enough to say, what are my actual appetites? What am I craving? What do I desire right now? What do I need right now? What, what do I have to have right now for my life to be okay? What am I leaning so heavily into that if you take it away from me, I would crumble, right? And the passage that we have today, and I'm going to read the whole thing to you, is from Philippians. And this is a community that Paul is actually in love with. He's writing to them from prison. He's written three times. He's, he's gone to visit them multiple times, and he's trying to encourage them. So he's talking about the culture that they're in and how hard it must be for them as new believers who people have been, who have been regenerated by Jesus, who are going after him. There are people that actually love Jesus. It's not just a community of people that gather because you're supposed to go to church on a Sunday. It's a community that's like, yes, we're all in for Jesus. We're going to do whatever it takes. And they're confused about what's allowed into the community. And so Paul is a loving fatherly figure writing to them in this text. So get that first. He's not angry with these guys. Some of the other churches he was writing to were doing incredibly dumb things, and he was having to correct them. He, for this group, he's just like, you guys are really killing it. Like, you're doing good. Good job. Awesomeness. But you need to hear some things, because it's like working its way in, and it's hard for you to tell that it's having this kind of effect on you. And that's what happens with the appetites that we, uh, that we think are okay for us. They work their way in, and they end up leading us to places that feel like destruction. Okay? So, brothers, join in imitating me really quickly. That, the word imitate, if you're like me, actually keeps you a little bit from this passage because that sounds like religion. 
So we're just supposed to imitate a dude's behaviors and actions? That sounds a little bit like religion. And also, Paul, why are you not saying imitate Jesus? Is this about you, Paul? Are you so awesome that we don't even need to look to Jesus? But there's a clever thing he's doing here. There's something he's trying to impress upon them that it's one thing to have an idol or somebody who has done it before you who lives so far away from you that you never see them, right? And you don't know what their morning tonight look like. And there's ways to even go after Jesus outside of community that's actually unattainable but sounds idealistic. I'm doing this because Jesus did it. This is why a lot of people leave the church because we're all jacked up. All of us, in every church, everywhere. Every single one of us is a human being. We are not Jesus. Even though we try our best, we will always have tensions because we will never quite add up. And people see this and they're like, that's why I'm not following or being a part of a community because they're all jacked up. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's tension everywhere. There's no community doing it perfect. So it's easier to have this idol that preaches on TBN or this idol that wrote this book or this idol that led this conference or this thing to look after because you can emulate those things that you see that are amazing in them, but you don't even know how to get there. There's this like disconnect between who we want to become and how do we even do that? What does that look like? So Paul says to them, imitate me because I'm actually a part of this community and others within it. So this would look like this here. Look around this room. All right, look at the people first who you're like, I ain't imitating that joker ever because <laughs> he is here. And then look at the people who God has gifted us with. There's always somebody just a little bit farther along than you. And if you're wanting to go after God, you don't have to look for perfection. Just latch on to someone who's a little bit farther along that maybe knows how to pray when you're like, is prayer even like a thing we need to do? that maybe knows how to be a part of a community when it's not giving you everything you need. But they're faithful. Now look at Alex, Nancy. They could be upset about a lot of stuff, like this moment now. <laughs> but I trust the grace of God in them that they will forgive me. So I follow their lead. Thank you, guys. So he's saying to them, imitating me is an invitation into community. Imitate us in this body so that you don't have to have these ideals of these people so far away that you'll never bump into because that will only lead to you drying up, right? And it's hard now because we have 2,000 years of leaders doing dumb things on record. It's not even like, well, he's, Josh is kind of prideful. He's sometimes mean on the ball field. I am. I'm, I, I'm need, I need God to forgive me multiple times each week. But there's things actually now we can look up, this guy did this, this gal did this, this community did this. They've been embezzling money for 20 years. That's easy for us to find. It's not the out, and it doesn't help us to say, yeah, that's stupid, I don't want this. We're the community. We have to wrestle through these things together. We have to learn to imitate Christ. The actual word for imitate here is mimesis, not mimosa, so calm down. <laughs> Just calm down, guys. All right? I know it's St. Patty's Day. And I know it's a new Christian culture now. Calm down. <laughs> Mimesis, which actually doesn't mean to just step away from something. So the invitation here is not just step away. It's talking about incarnating something, embodying something, embodying something, not just stepping away from something, which is Lent. 
So I will give up social media because it's stupid anyway. For me, I'm, it's the dumbest thing in the world. I, I'm like a, like a gnat on something. <laughs> I'm like a gnat on something. <laughs> but I don't have to look very far to know that that appetite is not sustainable. It's actually not even not sustainable. It's actually creating cravings for things that will never lead me to anything good, which will lead to destructions. But for many of whom I have now, I have often told you now, tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. That doesn't even translate today. When we think of enemies of the cross of Christ, first we think of people who are harming Christians, right? Or like apparent evident enemies. It's so blurry now. It's such a blurred thing that we don't know who is enemy and who is not. It'd be easy to say, yeah, this group is an enemy and this group is an enemy, as opposed to recognizing the enemy within ourselves that is thriving in all of us. And I love how it says he's telling this with tears, because as Dr. Green said a few weeks ago, you can't hate the sin so much to kill the sinner. You have to love the sinner so much that it kills the sin. He's weeping. This is, this is real. Paul is weeping when he thinks about the people who have become enemies of the cross, which are people who we hear in a second have allowed their bellies. Can you go to the next? Have allowed their bellies. They're in this destruction because their God is the belly and the glory is their shame with minds on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read that in a second. So this is, this is where we're at today. We're talking about the belly. And everybody knows with a belly, you fill it. Some of us make it look good and tan it and show it off. That's not me. It's not most of you. It's pretty much all of us but we fill it. That's where, when we're craving what we put in. This passage is talking about, and listen to the harshness of this, without being offended, the enemies of the cross of Christ. That's like, if, if you're sitting around Jesus or one of these apostles, and that comes out, you're like, we're, we're about to listen to everything that he's about to say, because this is an enemy, and we definitely don't want to what? We don't want to be the enemy, right? Like, okay. So we, of course, know that the Taliban is the enemy, Correct. Uh, we also know that um, secular music is de most definitely the enemy of the cross. So we put these secondary labels around the enemies, but the enemy of the cross are those whose belly is their God. <gasps> There's no one in this room who doesn't have appetites that we fill with what we desire. And I'm not just talking about how was the strip club. I'm talking about when, can I just, I struggle, can I just be really transparent? The thing I throw upon the church that I've tried to from the beginning to not make it about this, but I'd make it about it by not making it about it, is how many people show up on Sundays. There's such a thing built within me that if we have more people come, I have more value. Inherently, if there's more people here, I am worth more. For some of you, you're like, you need to shut your mouth. I'm just being honest. I do everything I can to do exactly the opposite. I fight it. I fight it. I fight it. But it's like saying, don't look at that. Don't look at that. I'm like, looking at it. And not only do I not use the tools to do it, but I allow the emotional scars of what it means to receive identity from it to destroy me. 
So much so that God provides opportunities for me to recreate the appetites. Do you remember when the Israelites were led out of the city into the wilderness? And they were fed what forever? And they were fed manna so that they could be cleansed from their previous appetites before creating new ones. God lets our stomachs and our desires speak loudly when we are in lack. And you get to decide. Will you allow something that will not actually fill you, appease you, and continue to drive you? And this is where it gets scary for you and I. Do you want to hear our gods right now? Calm yourself down. Family. Self-sufficiency. Career. Spiritual placement. Money. Your kids. Not mine, but yours. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sports. Yesterday I was screaming at my son again. He took three pitches. And I literally, and he struck out taking three pitches. And I literally felt like I was going to die. I was like, God, I literally was like, there's no reason I should feel this way. (laughs) So, of course, I made him feel bad about it. And that made it all better. No. (laughs) How dumb is that desire? How, How drivable are these things that are moving us towards things that aren't the cross of Christ? Because we've learned that what it what is it that we're imitating is a Christ that comes to die. This gospel does not even last in America. You're telling me that the kingdom of God is blessed are the poor in spirit. For those are, they inherit the kingdom. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who do not put themselves before others. I do that. I've already done that while I've preached today. So there's no possible way to do this except through the help of Jesus, but through the people around us that are doing it a little better than us. Are we enemies of the cross? If we are, it's not that he wants to destroy us. He is weeping. And his kindness and compassion leads to the kind of forgiveness that when we receive it, we drink deeply and it forms us into people who then go and do the same, not out of need, but out of love, right? And to be emptied completely of yourself is the cross, But hear me say this, in a culture, this is what we've started to learn at River City. In a society where it's already telling you that you have to do every single thing you can to have worth, and then some, and then post about it, and then write a blog about it, and then celebrate your friends about it, and then beat yourself up about not doing something else. So when you say to a culture that's already living in that every day, it's you got to serve more. you you got to be less selfish. You're not even being selfish for yourself you're doing it for identity because you don't have any and you're trying to fill something that can't be filled so i know when i tell you stop being selfish it just what makes you want to thrust yourself into more but for you to incarnate and embody christ is not for you to say yes to everything going on around you because we have all been trained to get what we need first so when you decide that you will be christ and embody this in a city you're going to be depleted. So also to be like Christ is knowing to say no to the things that make you feel like you have value if you do it because you're not doing it for you to have value. 
So it's a lot easier to say, no, I'm, I'm not helping with that because I'm not called to do that. And it's better for me to not deplete myself to the point of death just so that you can have what you want in a culture that says your wants or your needs. In a culture that says if you don't get what you want, that's evil. It's crazy. It's a self-society. And now we're in it, and I don't even know where I'm at right now in this message. So you guys are going to have to bear with me. Amen? <laughs> and that's just what happens. So... We know Christ didn't do this. We read it last week, right? Christ is provided with an opportunity to have depletion so that he can notice he's being told how to clarify the voice of the enemy from the voice of the spirit. That's what the desert was about for him. It was about, you need to know who's speaking to you at times. And this, this entity is using the passages of scripture three times. Most of us have been like, they're speaking the word, right? You just got to preach the word. Well, the devil preached the word. False prophets preached the word. Our TVs preach the word, first fruits, right? Like every single television shows about if you can give to their first fruits, you're going to be blessed, right? Which also speaks to your need to be first in our society. If they can just give you something that will make you better this year, right, I'll do that. I'll give you some of my money. That's the scriptures, right? First fruits, homies. Give some first fruits. I get what I want because that's the gospel. If I give a little, I get some back. It's not transactional, right? It's identity, Right? And we receive our identity through things, and, and, and identity is actually worth. So, can you pull up this last passage? I'll try and go somewhere with this, guys. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, speaking of Jesus, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself? Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, can you go back to 20 again? The end is their destruction, their God is their belly, and the glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things, but we are citizens. Our citizenship is in heaven. This is confusing right here. Why would he talk about that right here? We attach ourselves earthly things. We put value on those things. Our citizenship is in heaven. And I just have to spend a moment in this. That if you happen to be here from... Cameroon, or another country, or Ackworth, some of you guys, which is kind of like another country in some ways, or Jasper, or Texas, or New York, or Canada, or Mexico, or Iran, or Iraq, and you lock arms with any brother or sister in Christ, you got to know that you know that your citizenship is in heaven and they are your brother and sister. And you got to know that you know that that is well above nation. It's not even in the same breath. Am I dishonoring? Absolutely not. I am honoring because it is different. Of all nations and all tribes, we are part of the citizenship of heaven. So if your identity is attached to nation first, politics first, social status first, Job first, mom, dad first, worship leader, pastor first, your citizenship is in error. It's being revoked. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And when you look around the room, you've got to know that you know that that community is longer lasting than any of the others. It permeates. 
Does this mean that we don't do our job in those places as moms and dads and citizens and with our politics and with our social? We do our jobs. They're secondary to the citizenship of heaven. That's so beautiful. I don't even know how that connects this message, but I just wanted to do that. So get some of that. All right. If you'll all stand up, I'm going to pray over you and we're going to do some closing stuff. I'm going to ask you to do something that you do not want to do. I'm going to ask you to do something that you already don't want to do because I don't even want to ask it and I don't want to do it either. We lost our cable on Friday from stinking lightning. I'm not kidding. I have no idea how connected I am to things. I literally feel like we're in the desert right now. I'm serious. I missed two Duke games. I missed 30 for 30 Atlanta Braves, which I was looking forward to for 30 stinking days. Our appetites. What do you need to be okay? What do you need to be okay? Because if it's bigger, you're not really okay. But if you throw and thrust yourself upon the mercy seat of Jesus Christ, who is there for the other. We see that embodied incarnationally through 33 years of life and then on the cross as an example. What are you depending on? And this is where the hard thing is. It is actually leading you to destruction. Maybe it's vanity. Maybe it's your appearance. Maybe it's the next haircut. Maybe it's the tanning bed. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's not food. Maybe it actually is your belly. Maybe it's this thing politically. Maybe it's this thing socially. Maybe it's this stance religiously. Maybe it's that you're the antagonist on Twitter because that's a good thing and it helps. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's the idea of just coming to church and being faithful instead of having a relationship with Jesus. And don't hear me say that coming to church is wrong. You can't have one without the other. If you want the Jesus, you get the body. So what would be something you could disconnect from, not so that you can brag about it, that you already know is an appetite that is not sustainable and harming you? What can you separate from, not religiously, to incarnate something to feast on eternally? What would actually be manna from heaven for you? What would it be? And if right now you're like, dude, I don't even know what you're talking about, come talk to me more. Raise your hand in this room if you know something for yourself that brings you closer to Jesus and away from those things. Raise your hand right now. Okay, everyone who does not, keep your hands raised, do, does not have their hands raised, look around at these people. Is anyone near you that you know well? Is anyone near you that you have a, a close relationship with? These people are a little further along. Hear the words of Paul saying, imitate us. Mimesis. Go ask them if you don't know. For me, I know specifically, clearly, I can go make sure nobody's in the downstairs space. I can turn worship music up louder than anybody is comfortable with, and I walk around the perimeter like a crazy person, like I'm, like I'm walking somewhere. That's just what I do. And somehow when I do that, I come to the feet of Jesus, and I'm replenished. I also know that if I go sit next to a river without any of you with me, the love of Jesus pours over me. Also, I found this out in Scotland. I can sit in a super old church that's massive, and I feel like the Holy Spirit's power is like old Methodist churches. I don't know what it is, guys. It doesn't even make sense, but I feel like I want to weep just talking about it. What is it for you? 
that depletes the appetites that aren't leading you somewhere, what is it for you that you can feast on? So Jesus, as a community, you're asking us to be a community. I pray that we would find love in each other and that we would go after you together and that we would create spaces for feasting, not just fasting, and help us to not brag about fasting on Facebook. If we're taking a break from Facebook, help us to not be like, taking a break for prayer. Let's just do it. If it's TV, if it's sports, if it's food, if it's music, if it's appearance, if I'm not supposed to, if I'm not supposed to wear makeup for four weeks... I'll do it. Whatever it is, Jesus. But then show us what to feast on. And I'm just going to do you an imaginative prayer to close. Your eyes closed. Jesus walks up to you. He's walking up to you right now. And he is holding in his hands. Don't think too much. He's holding in his hands for you what he's asking you to feast on. Don't focus on what he wants to show you to be away from. Focus on what he wants you to feast on. Close your eyes and let him walk up and say, Son, in whom I am well pleased, my beloved daughter, and whom I love that I created, and I'm so for, I have this for you. It will bring you closer to me. You will feel replenished. You will not be led to destruction. You will feast at my table. Feast and feast and feast. And you don't have to separate when you're feasting, right? You don't have to get away from the whole world when you're feasting. So what is it that he is presenting to you? Give him space to. For those of you who cannot picture Jesus in that way, do not feel any shame. Jesus, for those people who struggle in that kind of imaginative prayer, help them this week to create spaces for conversation and hearing and listening. And even if they have to interact with their feelings about things, help that to happen. I love you guys very much. I'm thankful to be the pastor. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.